to people literally all around the world. And so that's really cool opportunity, and that's because of you and all that you do uh, to faithfully support God's ministry here at Pittsfield. And when we, when we pray that, when we take our offering, sometimes we pray, God, will you bless this offering right here and around the world? We are a part of a global church, and that is something to be thankful for. Amen? And so if you're new with us, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here, and uh, I hope you're able to enjoy this, but also realize that we are not ashamed of worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, here at PCED, and we're glad you've joined us today as well. Um, I want to jump right into this today, and be, well, before I do that, Scratch that. Rewind. Erase. Here, start over. First of all, I want to say, uh, as Pastor Greg mentioned already, we have the open houses tonight. We're so thankful to be able to do this and to invite you in uh, to our homes tonight, and so we hope you will come. It is a come-and-go thing, and as he said last week, I'll reiterate it. If you come before 5, please knock. If you come after 7, please knock. But between 5 and 7, just come on in. It'll be great. Uh, I've told my kids as well that this is your home as well, so... uh, Please come in and enjoy it. We're looking forward to having you with us tonight, so 5 to 7. But as you come, I just want to say thank you as your pastor for the many blessings that you have given to us as a family this year, and we just want to say thank you for uh, the special Christmas gift as well. And on behalf of my family, very much thank you so much for that, for your love for us. And we're going to use it. We're going to use it uh, Friday uh, to go away, so thank you for that as well as we are able to take some time away for our Christmas, and so we're looking forward to that as well. So let's jump in to God's Word. Get your outlines ready if you want to take notes. They're in your bullets in there. And turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians. Turn in your Bibles to the book in the New Testament. I messed that up last week. So New Testament in your Bible to 2 Corinthians. Uh, We're going to be there shortly. We're going to be all over God's Word today, but uh, our key verse comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to read it from verses 16 and 17. But I want you to to see something before we read this. And I want you to realize that I believe this morning that God wants to do a new thing in the life of our church. I believe that God wants to do a new thing in the life of our church through each and every one of us. Okay? Sometimes we think of the church as an outside uh, establishment. We think of this place that we come to worship as something that's kind of outside of what we do. But the reality of it is, if God doesn't transform us and make us new as individuals, the church will never change. Amen? So my prayer today, as we get embark on a new year, is that we will look at this new year as an opportunity for, for us to say to God, God, would you make me new this year? Would you do something new in me that changes, that transforms who I am? And as he does that, I believe with all of my heart, as he does that for us, it will change our church drastically for the better. You see in your, in your outline and your bulletin this morning, there's a contrasting picture there. And there's nothing wrong with old things. There's nothing wrong with things that are good and things that have worked. But sometimes God needs to do a new thing. And I'm believing and trusting him for that. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in our letter that we're going to read here in just a moment. And it's a church that's very near and dear to Paul's heart. Paul was a missionary. Paul was a man that went out and planted churches. And as he planted churches, he would write these letters back to these churches to help encourage them, to help uplift them, but also many times to help teach them and train them to to, um, challenge them in their walk. And I believe that this church in Corinth is no different than the church in America today. And I would even venture to say that probably if we're willing to admit it, probably a little close to home to PCN. So let's, let's look at our key verse today. This is our key verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Paul writes these words. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Amen. I'm so thankful for this new life in Christ. I'm thankful that that God has has made a change in, in so many lives through the church of the Nazarene right here in Pittsfield. 
And I'm so thankful to hear the stories that are happening in our, in our community life groups, in our grow groups, as, as people are, are committing to those grow groups and they're committing to attending those, those groups and they're going and they're living life with one another and they're, they're, they're growing together as they grow in their walk with the Lord. And I'm hearing story after story about how God is using people right here in our midst to change the lives of other people as they point them to Jesus Christ. And that is awesome. That is something to give God praise for. Can you just do that with me this morning? Can we give God praise for the victory? Fred, I think you were right, man. It's like pulling teeth today. We're a little bit tired or something. Uh, God deserves our praise, amen? And so I'm going to be talking about this new life. If you're not excited about something new, here's your opportunity just to, to leave, okay? I'll give you that opportunity. I don't know anybody that doesn't like something new. So let's, let's keep going. Let's give God praise for the new life that he's going to give all of us this year, amen? Can we do that? Praise in advance. Amen. God is good. As we, as we think about the future, and I'm getting excited about this new year, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty for me as your pastor, but there's, that brings a lot of excitement to me, which is weird because I'm not, I like a plan. I like to know what's happening. But I'm excited because I believe we're on the cusp of something great. And I believe they're right on the edge of what God wants to do right here. And I'm excited for it. But I'm, I'm excited because I believe that, that we get it and we understand what God wants to do to a certain degree. And we're willing to trust him. But I also know, and I believe this with all of my heart, that there is, there is people all over this world in church today. There are people all over this, this world that call themselves Christians, that claim to be Christians, that I believe they are going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. You see, there's an 18-inch difference between heaven and hell. Let me explain to you what that means. Many of us who claim Christ, we know him in our head. We know about him. We understand that God is this greater power, and we have this, this sort of faith that tells us that we need to believe in that, and, and we, we, but sometimes we fail to, to transfer that, that head knowledge into a heart relationship, which is about an 18-inch difference. And there's many of us that will, that will live our lives completely with this head knowledge that's incredible, it's vast, it's so great, and, and it's so awesome, but yet it never works their way to their heart. And the passion and the desire and, the, and the, the real encounters with God never come to fruition. And I'm, I'm a believer that if our faith is all about knowledge and not about trusting, that we're going to miss heaven. Because I believe that if we have faith without trust, that we really don't have a relationship. And so I believe that there's people all over this world in church today, on this very day, that are sitting there thinking, you know what, I can coast, I'm there, I'm good, I know about God, I know about Jesus, I know about his plan. I've even prayed a prayer once, once I believe, back when I was, you know, in grade school or Bible school or something. I'm good to go, but it never gets here. They're going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. God, help us. You see, I think... We know so much up here about God and the good answers, and we understand it in our head, but we really don't know him until we begin to live a true heart relationship with him. The good news today about getting to know Christ from a personal heart relationship is that it changes who we are. When we truly understand God and we truly trust him with our life, and we begin to live that heart relationship and that head knowledge becomes a heart relationship. It changes who we are. We are no longer the same. We are brand new creation. Our key verse helps us to understand that a little bit more today. You see, I think there's people in, in, in the world today that as, we, as they pray a prayer of forgiveness, that they think that all they got to do next is just try a little bit harder to be good. They think, okay, I've prayed this prayer, now, now I'm going to be a good person. The, the bad is washed away, now I can be a good person. Now I can turn over this new leaf and start over again, and in a, in a, in I just try it better in my own strength and power. Now God has just wiped the, the, the blackboard or the whiteboard clean, and now i got this new, fresh 
uh, fresh life to live. And we think it's all about what's, what's fresh, kind of the flip the switch type of thing, and we forget about the part that it's transformation that takes place. That God in our scripture today, in our key verse, it become, we become new creatures. And I don't think we totally get that. I don't think we totally understand that because so many times we think we've got a clean slate, so now we just try harder to do better, and we still end up dragging some of that dirt behind. Sometimes we think we just have to turn over a new leaf, but in reality we probably stepped on the leaf and now it's following us. You know what I'm talking about? Or we think we've, we've wiped down the board and we've got this clean slate, but you can still see the writing underneath the eraser. You know what I'm talking about? And I think as Christians, that's what we kind of understand is, is how, can, how can I be made new? How can I be this new creature if I don't feel new? If I don't feel new? And my feelings kind of get in the way. And I think many of us, we believe it in our head. We, we can understand it, but we just don't feel it. We just don't feel it. So I want to ask, ask and answer the question this way. Why don't we feel new as Christians? Why don't we feel new sometimes? Our feelings tell us that we're still guilty. Our feelings tell us that we're not good enough. Our feelings tell us that we're unworthy, that there's shame there. You know what you did, you messed up, and, and there's still that, that underlying, ugh, that's still there. And so that feeling is not really good. And so we have these negative thoughts about our Christian life, and we, we, try to, we try to do everything in our right mind, and we try to get a new perspective on things so maybe we can conquer this better and feel better about ourselves. Let me give you a silly illustration about this, okay? And the reason this makes sense to me is because I spent a lot of time doing this yesterday. How many of you, how many of you vacuum first? Let me just ask that question. How many of you vacuum? Come on, hands up. Let's go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Many of you vacuum, and many of you are surprised now that I raised my hand, but I do vacuum. I like to vacuum. It's fun. Uh, so I'm vacuuming. I'm vacuuming our basement. I'm going down there. And sometimes we need a new perspective because we get vacuuming, and you've done this before, and there's that one piece that just can't come up. And you go over it and over it. And then you just think, and so maybe if I come at it from this way and we get a new perspective, and we, ah, that's not working. And then what do we do? We pick it up. And we look at it, well, the vacuum should pick that up. So we drop it back down. And we try it again. I did that yesterday. Oh, you know, I was telling Pastor Greg this morning, isn't it crazy how God will give you a message and then you have to live it out? <laughs> so I want you to admire my vacuuming job today when you come over to the house uh, and see that I tried different approaches to get that, that one piece up. You know, we try a different approach and sometimes... It just doesn't seem to work. We think that if we try to live a different way, we try harder, maybe we'll feel better about being a Christian. I believe that many times we don't feel new because of this. Very quickly in your outline. If you're taking notes, write this down. We don't feel new because of our history. We don't feel new because of our history, because of what we did in our life. You know, the saying goes, and I, I mentioned this at prayer time, Satan calls us by our sin, and he keeps reminding us of what we did. It's hard to get over being made new in Christ when the enemy keeps trying to beat you down with what you did. And that guilt and that shame can, can come back because the enemy is a powerful deceiver. And that's what he is. That's all he is, is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a liar and a deceiver. And he wants us to be focused on what we did in our history. And many times that just stays with us, and we... And we sit there in, in our history and what we did, and we say things like, man, you just don't know what I did. And we say things in the church like, yeah, but God will forgive you, and he will, and he does it. Yet it doesn't change that we still know what we did. And so sometimes I think we don't feel new because of our history and what we did. I think sometimes we don't feel new because of our hurts, what someone did to us. Many of us here today have hurts that we can't seem to get healing from. Someone close to us has hurt us badly. We still remember the pain. We still remember the details of the hurts. And it's hard to feel new in Christ when we still have that hurt of the past in our life. For some, that person may even be in the church. 
that hurt us. For some of us that, that have pain and, and hurts, that person who hurt us might even be sitting across the room today. Dare we say. And yet it's kind of hard to feel new when we are either casting judgment because that hurt is still there, or maybe we're the one that hurt and we just haven't gotten over it and haven't forgiven ourselves and, and come to that place of, of repenting and confessing that, you know, maybe that hurt's still there so we don't feel new because of what someone did to us. We feel wounded and betrayed. We feel vulnerable. And we talk about, you hear, hear me say it a lot, you know, we got to trust God with our life. we got to put it into action. And it's hard to trust God when we don't trust anybody else because of what they've done to us. You know, so I, see, I think we don't feel new because of our history, because of our hurts. And third thing here is I don't think we feel new because of our habits, what we continue to do. This is what Paul was writing about in Romans chapter 7 when he says, you know, the things that I want to do I cannot do and the things that I, that I shouldn't do I still do. And, he, and he, that internal battle that's going on in, in, in Paul's life as he's talking about the journey that we're on. You see, we've all established habits and, and things that we've done. We've all had that life before God where, where we did things that we probably shouldn't have done, but we did them anyway and they became routine. They became habitual. They became a practice of everyday life. And so we don't feel new because the preacher said, you know, just come as you are. God will take you in just as you are. And he does. And he, we want that. We want us to come. God does not say, go clean yourself up and then come in. He does say, come as you are, because he's going to make us new. But sometimes we sit down here, we even come to an altar, and we, we pray through, and we get it all out, and yet we walk out those doors, and we still have the tendency to do the things that we've done. We continue to do the things that we've done, and we don't always feel new. You see, our habits will remind us of our struggle. You know, I've tried and I've tried to overcome this. I've tried harder and harder, and I just can't seem to kick it. I've even prayed, and I've prayed, and for some reason, God won't take this away from me. And how can I feel new when I still have these habits? You see, for many of us, we believe in our heads that we are made new, but we just don't feel it. And we need to know something today. I want you to hear something today. Your feelings are legitimate. Your feelings are legitimate. But your feelings are not facts. Your feelings matter, but your feelings are not facts. Okay? What I feel, why I don't feel new, it's not because of what God's, it's not God's problem. So I, I believe that God wants to help us to change, to change how we're looking at this, to change our perspective when we don't feel new in Christ. You see, we'll not, we'll, we will never be changed by our feelings because of what we can do. We can only be changed and made new by our faith in Jesus Christ. Only He can make us new. Only He will do it. You know, maybe for some of you today, you can't seem to relate to what I'm talking about. And you, uh, you felt new right away. You understood what was going on, and, and you were radically transformed. Everything was taken away, and it was dropped, and it was a brand new life, and you started over as a new creature, creature creation in Jesus Christ. And God gave you immediate victory. And I want to praise the Lord for that today. And I'm thankful for that. But maybe for some of you, um, you just can't relate to this because you've had that experience. Let me, let me give you a, a little illustration as well. As, um, I, want to, I want to be vulnerable to you today a little bit from my own life. Um, when I was about 18 years old, um, 18, 19 years old, my parents moved away. And uh, they took another assignment in, uh, in Kansas, and I stayed back in Nebraska and started living on my own. And, and I started trying to live this life on my own. I was a, a, new, a new man, if you will. I was like, wow, this is, this is my life. I get to go and do whatever I want. And I get to take care of my own things, and I get to have my own rules. And, and it felt like there was this freedom, this newness in my life. And and, and so I started living this new life that, that I wanted to live on my own. And, 
you know, I, I've got to come down here because I was just real. And I started to do, I started to do my laundry one day, and I was uh, going over to my friend's house to do my laundry. He was married, and they had a washer and dryer, and I didn't want to pay for it, so they let me use it. So I was doing my laundry over there, and I'd been doing it a, a few times. And one of the times I was over there, my buddy said to me, he said, BJ, why don't I ever see you come and do your sheets in your bedroom? Are you supposed to clean your sheets? He said, that is just nasty. You see, I was this new person, this, this new life that I was living, and yet I was sleeping on some dirty, nasty sheets. So I went and did my sheets the next time, amen? And now I'll tell you this, as, as a married man who has kids, we wash our sheets, and in fact, we even buy new sheets sometimes uh, to, to make sure we really get a new feel. But I want you to know something. Kids, teenagers, college-age students, take this advice from, from your pastor if you won't take it from your parents, okay? When you get out on your own and you're new, wash your sheets more than once a year. And, and here's another one that will really help you. Take a bath or a shower more than once a week, okay? Amen? Yeah, yeah. It makes a difference in how we feel. It makes a difference in how we feel. And yet sometimes we continue those bad habits. <laughs> What's the moral of the story? <laughs> We're not perfect. Our feelings are legitimate, but they're not the facts. So why don't we feel new? I think if we're going to answer this question, we've got to answer another question. Why don't we feel new? We've got to answer this question. How am I made new in Christ? We've got to understand how we're made new. So here we go. Number one, how am I made new in Christ? We are forgiven from our past. We are forgiven from our past. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1, he says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You see, from this passage of Scripture, in Christ, we are not forgiven on our good works. It doesn't say that. In Christ, we are not forgiven by our religious efforts. It doesn't say that. In Christ, we are not forgiven by church attendance. It's not in there. Okay? In Christ, we are forgiven. We are redeemed. That word redemption, we are made new. We are redeemed through what? Through His blood, through His work, through what He did on the cross. You're forgiven of your sins in Christ. Catch something here. There is nothing in that Word of God, which is the facts, that says anything about what you did to deserve it. There's nothing in there that says, in BJ, you have redemption through my... I'm not, I'm not bleeding for you like Jesus did. In BJ, you have... Forg I can't forgive your sins. Huh. In Greg, no. In Alicia, no. It's only in Christ. In Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That's good news today, folks. That's something to celebrate. In Christ, we get to experience not only forgiveness, we get to experience the riches of His grace. You know, I don't think we understand that completely either. There's another story in the Bible that talks about it. Many of you can understand it. Maybe you've heard it before. It's about the prodigal son. Many of us have been in that, in that boat where the son was, was becoming of age where he wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to be that new man. And so he went to his dad as boldly and confidently as he can. And he said, Dad, I want my inheritance now so I can go out and do new things that I want to do on my own. And he did. He took the, the dad was a good father in the story. And he gave him his inheritance and he sent him on his way. And the son went out 
And as you know, the story goes, and if you don't, here's, here's just my cliff notes, BJ notes of it. The son goes out and he spends all of his money, all of his inheritance on the things that make him feel good. And if, if you've had a habit of some sort of, of, of living a lifestyle that's similar to that, you understand that once the money is gone and you fall asleep after a big night of partying and doing whatever, whatever you want, there's always the next morning. And the next morning for the prodigal son, he wakes up in a pile of pig slop. Now, I know that relates to some of you because you work with pigs. Literally. You've seen that slop. You understand that slop. And he's, he wakes up, the Bible says, in this pile of pig slop. If there's pig slop there, he probably didn't smell so good. He probably didn't look so good. And now he's feeling all of the feelings of last night and what he just done and, and all of the money that's gone and now he doesn't know what to do. And he looks at this slop and it looks good to him. And he gets this crazy idea. And the crazy idea said, I'm going to go back to my dad and beg for a job because even his servants are eating better than this. And so he goes back to his dad and He's going to make the walk of shame. And the Bible tells us, the Bible says this, the facts of God's Word, that while the son was still a long ways off, the father ran to the son. Wow, that's good news, folks. I'm preaching better than you're responding, okay? The father ran to the son. You and I are the son. You and I are the ones that don't deserve to come back home. You and I are the ones that have messed up. You're the, you and I are the ones that have waken up in the pig slop. You and I are the ones making the walk of shame. And guess what? God is running to you. He is running to you because why? Because the facts say in Christ we have redemption through His blood. Forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't matter the shame. It doesn't matter the past. God will forgive you. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've heard that said over and over, probably. If you've been in church longer than a year, you've probably heard that verse quoted and quoted. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you notice that it doesn't say, Therefore, there is now some condemnation. Because of your past, we're going we're gonna to put you on trial. You're going to have this probationary period. So there will be some condemnation for you. It doesn't, also, it doesn't say, you know, there is now a little bit of condemnation. Because you've made a few strikes. So you've, 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 earned, you've earned some of this now. So now there's just a little condemnation. Therefore, there is now, say it with me, no condemnation. If you take that head knowledge of who God is and you begin to live it for what He wants you to live it for, that means you are in Christ. And my Bible says, the facts of my Bible say, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So that begs the question today, if God doesn't condemn anymore, why do you condemn? If God doesn't condemn you anymore, why do you still condemn yourself? So how are we made new in Christ? We are forgiven from our past. Number two, we are healed from our hurts. We are healed from our hurts. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words in Isaiah 61.1. He said, The Lord has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoner." To bind up brokenhearted. I want to tell a couple stories here. The first one is this. In about a span of 18 months, our son Ian broke his arm three times. In a, in a span of 18 months. Same arm, same place. In 18 months. It was a long 18 months, wasn't it, bud? And right in the middle of that, Ian was playing baseball. 
he had, I believe it was right after you'd pitched a no-hitter that year, right? Having a great season, and he breaks his arm for the first time. It was a weird break. We understand that. And so he's casted up. He does all the things. He gets out of the cast, and he's cleared. But good old dad said, you know what? Yeah, you're cleared. The doctor said you're cleared. Let's go play baseball. But I, I did a good thing. Doug, you'd be proud of me here, okay? I said, okay, you can't swing the bat. You're just going to bunt. Okay, okay, no big deal. But he was favoring his arm. He was favoring his arm. He's just not confident. Came back too soon. Well, we're out doing another activity a little bit later on. He didn't break it in baseball, but he fell down again, and guess what? Broke it again. Second break, same place, same arm. Now he's in a cast again. And he's going through all the process of healing, and we're trying to get it, him, him back to where he's got confidence in his arm. Dad knew it at the time. We didn't really say it to Ian at the time, but we said, in my head, I'm like, his baseball career is probably done. And uh, his confidence in his arm was shot. He gets out of the cast. We waited a little bit longer. We put him in a brace. We made sure we did everything that we could do. Then something else happened, comes along. Boom. Breaks it again. We were tough. It was a tough time. So there were still times after he came out of that cast the last time. Thankfully, he hasn't broken it again since. Amen? We'll give God praise for that. He came out of that cast. He was favoring his arm still. And it took a lot of time and a lot of mom and dad saying to him, Ian, your arm's fine. Your arm's good. You don't have to protect it anymore. It's, it's okay. It's good. And there were times when he'd even he'd be roughhousing in the house, and this would be years later, and he'd, he'd fall on it weird, and it'd kind of have a little bit of pain. For about a day, he'd walk around kind of holding his arm. Like, Ian, your arm doesn't hurt. It's okay. You're fine. Do this, do this, do this. He can do it all. Okay. His confidence was bad. Finally, he kind of got out of that. And I tell you today that if we were to go in and x-ray his arm, the bone may look a little weird because it was a funny break. But God has a weird way of putting us together that when he's done that, he's bound up that broken bone that there would be no signs of that break anymore. That's pretty cool. And Ian has confidence in his arm. He beats up on his brother all the time now. He can fall. He can play volleyball. He can hit it, and it's okay. Why? Because the Lord has sent to bind up that brokenness, that hurt. It's a physical hurt. But God also does it when he binds up the setbacks and the hurts in our life from a, from a personal standpoint. I asked permission to share this story, but I, I want to share the story about Tanya Kirk. Tanya has been through so much stuff in her past. She's been hurt by so many people in her past that, that she's had to work through those hurts in so many different ways for a long period of time. There's, there's a lot of hurts that are there for Tanya to, to overcome and to deal with. But here's the thing. God has healed her from her hurts. He has bound up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom from that captivity for Tanya. So much so that now Tanya points other people to the same source of her healing, Jesus Christ. So where she found healing, and it wasn't easy. Where she found healing, she can now walk with somebody else who may or may not be going through something very similar that could bring up all of that past, that could bring up all of those hurts, and yet she's still willing to say, the Lord has bound up my brokenheartedness. He's given me freedom from being a captive to this hurt any longer. And he's given me freedom from the darkness. And now if you could talk, I encourage you, blow up Tanya's phone this week. I didn't ask permission to do that. She would be happy to tell you what God has done for her. And she would also tell you where you could go to find the same healing. And thankfully, her story isn't just one 
step away, she's now helping multiple people who are helping multiple people. You know what? That's exponential newness. That's a big word. That means it's multiplication, folks. That means when God wants to do a new thing, it's not just by addition. He wants to multiply. Amen? More people than just Tanya needed healing. More people than Ian needed healing. You need healing today from your past hurts. And God doesn't just want to use your setback for yourself and for your benefit. God uses every setback for a setup for his purpose to be done. He uses our setback for his setup. I'm so thankful for that. You see, what the enemy means for evil in our setbacks, in our hurts, in those things that people have done to us, God wants to use it for good. So no matter what your hurt was, God has a purpose for it. God is never going to cause pain without giving purpose. Some of you need to hear that today. God doesn't want to just put you in painful situations to just for being in pain. I think sometimes we think God just wants to put us in pain in these tough situations because God's a just God and he's up there running to beat me down and do all. No. God may let you go through pain, but he has a purpose for it. He wants to use it. God has a purpose for your setback. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Did you catch that? The comfort that he gives to you is not just for you. Let me say that again. The comfort that he gives to you is not just for you. He gives it to you so that you can help others as well. No matter what your hurt was, God has a purpose for it. How am I made new in Christ? I'm forgiven from my past. I'm healed from my hurts. And number three, we're freed from our habits. We are freed from our habits. As I mentioned earlier, some Christians are going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. They got the head knowledge, but they lack the heart relationship. And so many times we try harder in our flesh to, once our sins are forgiven, we try harder to, to break those habits because the, the preacher, whomever led us to Christ, said, just come as you are, just come as you are. And that's true. That's a fact. Come as you are. And I firmly believe this. There are people that will get to heaven with bad habits. And it's probably a timing issue because what I'm about to say is the fact of God's word as well that God intends to make every person a new creation. That means the old bad habits should go away in God's time. In God's time. Amen? But we can be made new in Christ because God has freed us from those habits. You know, God doesn't want to just clean us up first, want us to clean up first, and then we can come. He's the giver of all things new. He wants to make things new. He doesn't want you to go and try to make it new. He wants to give it to you new. But many times we lose our connection from our head to our heart because we say we love God and we do, but we still do blank. We still do this bad habit that we can't seem to kick. And I know I'm going to step on toes today, but I'm going to step on my own as well because I'm going to admit some things to you as well, that we all struggle with it. So no matter what that is, you come to Christ as you are. And I'm thankful for the transformation that some people get when they come to an altar and they lay down that pack of smokes and they walk out and never pick it up again. I'm, I'm thankful for that victory. I'm thankful for the victory when a person comes down to an altar and they surrender it all to God and, and they never pick up the bottle again. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that when a person surrenders it all to Christ, that paycheck goes to all that they need instead of to the casinos. Amen? I'm thankful that when they surrender it all to Christ, that the, the victory that can come when they walk in the kitchen and they are able to eat just one Oreo instead of the whole package of Oreos. We laugh, but it's all real. It's all real. And sometimes we get made new in Christ 
and yet we never, we never trust him to free us from our habits. Whatever that habit is, they're very real. They happen in our lives. They happen in our lives because we're trying to fill a void in our life. Everything that, that becomes a habit in our life, it's because we wanted to fill something that wasn't there before. And so we fill it with something that we think will fill that void, and yet it doesn't usually, and we're still filled with this, or we still have this void, but now we have this bad habit to go along with it. And it, whether, it's, whether it's smoking or chewing or drinking or, or gambling or or hitting the internet sites that you know you're not supposed to look at, or, or it's, it's temper issues, or it's over, overeating, or it's whatever it is, it's trying to fill a void that we have in our life that we're not willing to surrender to God for. But when we're made new in Christ, Christ wants to free us from those habits. He wants to take them away from us. Many times our habits can't be broken just by trying hard. We have to trust him to help us. Ephesians 4, 21 to 24, Paul writes these words. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You see, your feelings are legitimate. But here's the facts. The facts of God's Word say that we've got to choose to put on what God has for us. Let's look at this real quick. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, that means we're growing in our walk with Him, we're trusting Him with our life, He's helping us, Throw off the old sinful nature. Let me help you understand this a little bit. Paul, Paul was an athlete. And in this time, and he's writing to a, a Roman world, and sometimes we, I think we, we displace God's word with history. We've got to remember when the Olympics started, this was, this was in that same setting of when the Olympics had just started. And when the Olympians would run, they would not run with anything on. And, and thankfully they do now. But in those early days, they literally would throw everything off that would hinder them from running their race. The, the Olympics were televised, not televised. They were broadcast with a mature rating back then. Okay? So what Paul is saying to us is that they would throw off the old sinful nature. We have to throw off the old habits. We have to throw them away. We have to choose to throw away the bad and the old, our former way of life, and instead we need to let God, the Spirit, renew our thoughts and our attitudes to put on a new nature. So if I'm throwing something on, I need to be putting something on. Amen? It's a choice we make. This week alone, I'm, I didn't ask permission on this, and I'm sorry, but he'll forgive me, I'm sure. We've told... Elliot to change his pajamas because he keeps putting on the same pajamas. It's like, bud, it's not Christmas anymore. You gotta, you gotta put on some new clothes, buddy. Why? Because we gotta get rid of the old. We gotta throw it off and we gotta let God give us something new. But guess what? He gives it to us, but we've gotta put it on. We've gotta make a choice to put on what he has for us. Thankfully, I've, I've never had a, a, a habit of, of some of the things that I've mentioned in, in that list that a lot of us struggle with, and I'm, I praise God for that. But one of the problems I've had in my life is my anger, my temper. Since I can remember, I would blow off at anything. I'd go from a 1 to a 10 in no time. Those cars that go 0 to 60 in 3 seconds, they had nothing on me. You know, I could go to 0 to 60 in like that and I would feel like a sham like a phony 
because I'd get up here in front of you after I had just spent an evening going from a three to a ten on the people I loved most. Yelling, screaming, belittling. And I would sit there and I would just be so upset with myself because it's like, God, I'm supposed to be new. Why is this anger still a problem? Why can't I? I'm trying to pull on the new, but I can't get rid of the old. And I'm hurting the people I love the most. You see, that's a real problem, folks. It's, it got so bad in my own life that I was so sick and tired of it that I said, God, I need your help. I need the Spirit to renew my thoughts and my, my, my motivation and my attitudes, and I need you to, to help me to put on the new. And you know what the new was for me? And I've shared this with you before. I had to go get professional help. I had to go seek counseling. I had to go get help for somebody to say to me, BJ, you need to try these things to help put on the new you. You need to try these things that when you're in the same situation, because those people you love the most, they're not going anywhere. And in fact, they're probably going to come closer to you. You can't just put on the old and keep doing the same thing over and over and over. You've got to allow God to help you to put on the new. So I went to put on the new. And I'm not, I'm not perfect, okay? Don't hear this. Because I'm not perfect. I still struggle and I still deal with it in a different way. And if you were to ask my loved ones when the last time I went to a 10 was, it'd be a lot different than if you asked them six months ago. Why? Because God is helping me to put on the new. I'm not there yet. I still get ag agitated, I still get angry, but now I have a new way to deal with it. I am choosing to put aside the old. I'm choosing to throw it off. No, I'm not going to get mad about that. No, I'm not going to get frustrated about that. I'm going to talk through it. I'm going to work through this. I'm going to put on the new approach to dealing with my anger. Whatever your habit is, whatever your hang-up is, whatever your issue is, make that choice to say, you know what, my thought life has to change first. I've got to put that thought out of my head so that I can then put on the new that God has for me. The choice must be made to put on the change. We've got to put on the change. You see, my feelings were, I can't get up here and preach to you when I struggle. I can't get up here and act like I've got it all together when I'm sitting there and I know I've, I've hurt my family. How can I get up here and tell you how to live when I don't even have it together? I can't tell you the times, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I already started, so i got to finish it. I can't tell you the times that I had my resignation letter written in the last two years. Because I was not worthy. Because I didn't make the choice to put on the new. It's a choice we have to make, folks. You may not feel new, but God has made you new. He's forgiven your past. He's healed you from your hurts. And He can free you from your habits. When I felt unworthy, it was the facts of God's Word that would speak into my life. The facts of God's words that would say to me, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You see... I've been freed from a habit of an old way of doing it. It doesn't make me perfect, but it helps me to choose to put on the new. And in doing that, I can get rid of the opinions of other people. I can get rid of the opinions of society. I can get rid of the feelings that other people have about me. I can get rid of all of that. I can even get rid of the opinions I have about myself. Why? Because the facts of God's Word tell me that He loves me, that He died for me, that He cares enough about me to make me new. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. Amen?
your feelings are legitimate. But they're not facts. The facts are the Word of God and His thoughts about you are all that matter. So as we close today, you got to answer some of these questions. What's in your past that needs to be forgiven? What have you done that God needs to forgive you from? How can you best heal from your hurts? Maybe you need help. That's okay. How can you best heal? And I want to challenge us all to make new habits that become our purpose from Him. Amen? Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says this. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. You can't just know about Him. You've got to learn to know Him. I would hate for you to miss heaven by 18 inches. We've got to learn to know our Creator. So our key verse can be real in our life. How differently we know Christ now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What will you do this year to make it new? Would you stand with me? God, you are so good to us. We hear a message like this and we can immediately be attacked by the enemy who says to us we're unworthy, we're not good enough, we're a fake, we're a phony, we're a sham. How can we call ourselves a Christian with the things that we've done? But God, your fact, your word tells us that you will forgive us of our sins. You will heal us from our hurts and our brokenness. You will bind our brokenheartedness. And you will create in us a new spirit that does new things for you. God, I pray that you'd help all of us, even when we don't feel like it, to trust the facts of your word. That we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. God, I pray as we leave this place today, we would leave in the victory of knowing that we are going to learn to know our Creator more and more this year. Help us to make 2020 a brand new year as an individual and as a church. We love you, we give you praise, and we trust you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight.